Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. Today on Habits and Hustle, we have Devon Franklin. This guy does it all. He is a producer, he is an author, and is a motivational speaker. And lately, he's actually been a relationship expert. Yes, uh, he is a man of many, many talents. He is best known for the films Miracle from Heaven and Heaven is for Real. He is also a New York Times bestselling author of the book The Weight. We spoke about everything, his beginnings in Hollywood, how he navigated the system, and how he's had like an evolution in his career. He is a really nice guy, and I really enjoyed this conversation. And I'm sure you will too. Enjoy. I have Devon Franklin here with me, and I got we just we actually did a podcast. This is now like this is we already did an hour pre-recording, sure and now did. we're going to start again. And I like basically like killed him on a on the hit axle, so Ooh. I apologize. No, it was great. I I love it. I mean, I'm I've got to get one. I'm it, telling it you, incredible. you look all pumped up because I am. Well, it, it worked, <laughs> and by, and I'm not getting paid by them. I'm just saying it's hit axle is like a, a like a cardio slash strength machine that yeah. I'm just telling people if they're not. You know, aware of what, what it's it is. like. Nothing anyone's ever tried. I've, I mean, and I've tried a lot of equipment, a lot of things. This is on another level. I, I'm telling. I know. That's why I even showed yeah. it to you. So that's why I knew you'd like it. I, I cannot knew wait. You'd like it. I can't wait. Um, okay, so I, don't, I was also saying before we started, like I don't even know what to like describe you as. You're a New York Times bestseller, best-selling author. You're a producer. You're some. You're a spiritual. What would you call it? Influencer or, <laughs> I don't know. or I don't know what the word is. To <laughs> I even, don't either. You, you know, you know, you, you're like a, you're like a jack of all trades. Yes. Do you have like any like what is the one thing that you're kind of in your opinion that you kind of like lean really into right now? Is that more of the the the, um, the writing? Is it more the the speaking? Like what's mm-hmm. your thing right now? You know, that's a great question and I don't have a good answer. Oh, okay. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it hasn't been uh, focusing on one, you know, for right. me, it's really about um, trying to utilize all the gifts that I have, you know, in a positive way. And so within a day, you know, sometimes I'm wearing the speaker hat, sometimes I'm wearing the producer hat, sometimes I'm wearing the talent hat. It just depends on what's going on. So I try not to choose one as a focus. I try to say, okay, where am I, where am I the most useful? Where, where am I supposed to be? Oh, I need to produce this movie. Oh, I need to produce this show. Oh, I need to go here to speak. I need to do this. So That's I just try to, you know, stay organic about it and really just allow the, like my feeling of like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do right now. Because what I've tried to in the past, like pick a lane, so to speak, yeah. for me, it just doesn't work. You know what's so interesting about that? Well, because most people can't even figure out one thing to do. They don't know what one of their <laughs> passions are, right? And I feel that you were you were fortunate enough to have all these things that you are obviously good at yeah. and that you like to do. Um, and then also having these op- an opportunity to kind of do yeah. them all. Yeah. So I guess the first thing I should ask you is like, how did it all, what was like your evolution, like your origin story? Where did you start? And like, let's go from there and how you kind of evolved into being this like jack of all trades and also successful in Mm -hmm. all of them, Uh, right? right. Oh, also I should say, 
He's also known as a dating expert, which is another <laughs> thing I, I forgot to put in his bio, which when I like Googled you, that was all oh, that came up. Oh my so, goodness. Lord have mercy. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, going back, you know, I'm, I'm from Oakland, California. Right. Uh, from Northern California. I'm the middle child of three boys. And uh, my mother, you know, raised us after my father passed away when I was nine years old. Uh, yeah. He died of a heart attack when he was only 36 years old. Yeah. So that's 36. One, 36. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons why I'm very committed to fitness and, you know, trying to eat right so that, you know, whatever is in my genetics, I, I don't allow a bad diet or, oh, you know, not working out to, you know, get the best of me. So wait a second. So how was, was he, was he very unhealthy? Was he was alcoholic pretty much, you know, his, most of his adult mm -hmm. life, um, which is not the reason why you have a heart attack at 36. There were some other issues going on. He smoked and all that, but I think there were some hereditary things, you know, going on with his heart that he never really spoke about. Right. Um, wow. That's yeah, very young. Yeah. And by the time he was 36, he had had, I think the, his, the fatal heart attack was his third one. Yeah. Well, how old was he when he had his first heart attack? Uh, I want to say he may have been, he was in his early 30s, you know, like I think around mm. uh, 31, 32, around there. Do you have any idea of the history before, like his father, his father, like mother or? Not about their heart, only about that, you know, his parents were alcoholics as well. So did you ever, is there a way to check to see if what kind of, well, when you see a cardiologist now, yeah, what did yeah, they yeah. say to you? Do you have? They say everything a, looks good. You know, That's I mean, I, so I just scary. got recently, you know, that we did the whole EKG, we did the, the scan, I went through the tube, got everything checked out, there was no blockages, nothing, you know, wore a heart monitor for three days, everything looked good, so, right. you know. Um, but you gotta yeah. be on top of that. Gotta be on top of it. Wow. Yes. Sorry, so. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. You, but it's that's cool. crazy it's young. Crazy. Yes, very, very young. Yeah. And so for me, growing up, that was always something that was top of mind. Um, but coming out of that, you know, losing my father at nine years old, the two things that really made an impact were going to church and watching movies and TV shows. It was like entertainment and church became my therapy in terms of, you know, how to really navigate what I was dealing with. And right. so as I got older, you know, I started to have a passion for Hollywood. And, uh, and at the same time, you know, I was involved heavily in the ministry that I grew up in. And so I was telling everybody, you know, I'm going to go to Hollywood to make movies. And people were like, you know, you're, you can't do that. You know, you're from the church and Hollywood is, you know, against the church right. and you can't be a person of faith and hold on to your faith. And I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't believe that, you know, I'm going to go and see what's meant for me. And so I went to USC, majored in business, minored in film, and I got rejected from the USC film school as a major, an undergrad major. Oh, So that's what led me to take on a business major. And as a result, I had a little more time on my hands. So that freshman year, I got an internship working for the company uh, that managed Will, uh, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith and and P. Diddy. And Is that the Jennifer Overbrook? What's his, what's the uh, the, his company's called, well, the company was called Overbrook, but before it was Overbrook, it was a company called Handprint Entertainment. And Benny Medina and James Lasseter and oh, uh, Peter Golden and Jeff Pollack were all the principals of, uh, of that company. So I started as an intern, you know, when I, when I was 18 years old. Uh, and that was basically just learning the business. And, and then as I got my feet wet, I really started working a lot with Benny Medina. When I was in the office, I was like the third assistant and, you know, just got a chance to learn entertainment, like front row and center. And that I was like, this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. You know, I was so passionate about it. And then Overbrook started uh, my junior and senior year and I went and became their first intern. And then when I graduated, I became an assistant working for James Lasseter, who at the time was Will Smith's producing partner and manager. And so that was kind of like my start in the business. And then I left That's there. That's a good start. It's a great start. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, to have 
those legends, you know, in my my foundation uh, from a professional standpoint is just amazing. And, you know, just the mentorship and the help and guidance that Will has given me over, you know, the 25 years that I've known him is just, it's just unbelievable. Wow. So wait, yeah. so you start, so basically, uh, so people don't, people don't know, like getting these jobs, by the way, like as an assistant to these, in these, you know, these talent agencies or management companies, it's like a coveted job. Yes. Like they're hard to get. Yes. Some, they pay you like terrible money, but like you kind of, you kind of practice yes. and gain your, whatever they say, your chops or whatever. Definitely. And that's how you get your opportunities. So did you, do you have a business degree from USC then? I do. I have a business degree wow, with an okay. emphasis in entrepreneurship and a minor in film. That's uh, amazing. And so, but for me, it wasn't just about getting the intellectual. It was yeah. about getting the practical. Of course. So that's why my whole four years, I, you know, combined the internship, the practical with the, you know, the educational experience. So I had the, so I had the intellectual, you know, my goal was to have both. Because a lot of people may get the intellectual, but if you don't have the practical, you, you're not going, it's not going to work. It means right? nothing. So exactly. for me, yeah, you know, learning the business and starting to, you know, meet the right people and understand how it all works. I was incredibly fortunate to be able to do that starting at 18. And so the foundation, you know, of my career has always rested on that, that internship and then being the assistant for, uh, for two years. And that a lot of people look at Hollywood and think, oh, it's glamorous. It wasn't glamorous at all. I know. Talk you know? about what you did. I want people to understand what you did yeah. as an assistant because I think this is these are fascinating. I was that also for like five minutes. I didn't last very long, but <laughs> <laughs> I was at three arts and it was Oh, like, <laughs> three arts, yes, yes. For like literally oh, two my minutes. Goodness. Yes, yeah. like the rolling of the calls and all that kind oh, of yeah. nonsense. Oh, so, yeah. That's right. The assistant is, you know, rolling, <laughs> rolling the calls, doing the schedule. Uh, you know, filing, running errands when need be, yep. you know, facilitating travel arrangements for, you know, for my boss, mm -hmm. uh, anything that my boss needed. If there was something going on at the house, you know, have to make sure that that was being taken care of. If there was family coming in and they needed help, that was, you know, my job. Reading scripts, making sure that he had what he needed. Uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, here's your to-do list. Did you have Jennifer Lopez at that point? Ben well, so when I started interning for um, for Benny, yeah. in my freshman and sophomore year, right when I was leaving to go to Overbrook, he took on Jennifer. Oh, Because okay. at that time, Puffy and Jennifer were dating. Right. And so that's how, you know, from my recollection, that's how Jennifer got into Benny's life and Benny got into Jennifer's life. And then they've been together, you know, ever pretty since. much ever since. Right. And so they broke up, I think, for like a little for a minute, bit. Yeah. You know, but you know how that goes. Of course. And um, then they're back together. They're but incredible. Who was his big one? Was it Mariah? No, he didn't no, have Mariah he, Carey. No, his his big one was Babyface. Babyface was his big one? Benny Medina. No way. Yes, yes. Before before Puffy and before uh J-Lo, Jen, yeah. he had Babyface when Babyface did 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 the day album. And that album got like 13 Grammy nominations. Yeah, I, rem and I remember. Had the song Every Time I Close My yes, Eyes. Yes, and yes, it was just yes. huge. It was massive. And that was, ben yeah, that was Benny Medina. Okay. I thought there was a girl that he had also. He had Michelle and Deggio Cello before yeah, he had uh, Babyface. But Babyface was really, and, and there was a season like, you know, around, um, uh, what's the Mariah song? Um, oh, man. The, the, uh, if you think you're lonely now. Uh, it'll come back to me. You could, but anyway. Are you a singer also? You can no, I can't, can't sing. No, I can't sing. I can't sing. I feel like you can do everything. We belong together. Oh, That's we belong it. together. So okay. ar that, around that album, Benny managed her, but that was, a, that was you know, just for a season. For a small period Just for a small period. So when the time when I was there, it was Michelle and Dave Yocello, Babyface, um, Will on some level. He helped out with Will. He did um, uh, P. Diddy and P. then Diddy. Jennifer Lopez. And then a month, there were a bunch of other talent at the time.
Just okay. So does he still have? Is it just J Lo now? You can't have time for anybody else. I think you? it's only yeah, right? Because yeah, like, how are you going to be able to split your time between yeah. J Lo and yeah. you know wh- whoever? So then, what happened to Babyface? Did he just like leave, or what happened to him? Um, you know what? At the time, uh, you know, I, I can't I'm remember. Curious. This I is can't nothing. remember exactly what happened. Okay, you know, well, it's get like back to you me. know, I mean, he's less. Babyface is still around, and he and uh, LMA just did a, a new song that's the number one added song on R and B radio. And, it is. Oh yeah. So Babyface is still alive. And doing He's his still thing alive and, and huge. Kicking. Yeah, I mean, Babyface is one of the biggest songwriters in the world. In the so, world, I know. You know. I mean, every he's. I, I was just curious what happened to that relationship between Babyface and. Oh. I want like I want the like what do you call it the T or the. Oh, that I, like, I that I don't oh, know. Whatever. I don't know. Okay, fine. You know. So you don't know that. We'll have to you know get Benny on the. Hunt. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> the I, I gotta, and hustle. Exactly. I have to like. I gotta make a note of that. Thank you. Yeah, he would be a great that. interview. By the way, I would love. I would love <laughs> if he would do it. He would be incredible. I think he would be amazing. So if anyone, if well, maybe you can hook me up. Tim, I'm like I Benny. Yeah. Yo. Do you still talk? Do you still talk to him? Uh, we text occasionally, okay. and I saw him. Uh, I saw him a couple times last year, and then uh, I saw him like briefly earlier this year. Okay. And I'm listen. He is just. I mean, to be able to learn from a legend like that, who knows this business inside and out. You know, it, it, I can't tell you. You know how great it was. I mean, because when I was an assistant, I was driving him around. Yeah. You know, I would drive him to meetings, drive him to the studio, drive him to award shows. Were you so. able to listen? Were you able Absolutely. to go into the meeting and listen in on all the? Oh okay, my goodness, that's good. Without a doubt. I mean, while he was on the phone, I was listening. Of course. You know, and driving like and up. listening, picking up, understanding how it works, understanding what went, went into this business, how to be successful, how to navigate talent, how to deal with deals. All of that I learned while driving him around. And so, when did you get to? So when you went to Overbrook, like, why did you move? Is it just because, because the opportunity? Came up yes, because see, um, primarily when I first started interning, it was focused mostly on music because the music business portion of that company mm-hmm. was so big and vibrant. What I was really passionate about was music mm-hmm. was great, but I really wanted to learn film. Right. So at the time when Overbrook started, they got a film deal with um, Universal Pictures. And so James Lasseter and Will Smith broke off and started Overbrook Entertainment at, with that deal with Universal. And then I went over there as their first intern because I really wanted to understand more about the film side of the business, the film development side of the business. So how did you get your first movie deal? Like that, again, yeah. it's not, there are people who move here all day, all night from everywhere in the world to have like an opportunity. So how, how did you even get that? Um, because after I was an assistant for two years, I actually went to go work for Babyface and Tracy Edmonds in their film department mm. as a development executive. I did that for two years. And then I went to MGM as a studio executive. I worked on Be Cool and Beauty Shop. And then I left there because MGM got sold to Sony uh, along with a couple other right. equity investors back in like, you know, 2005. Right. And so I was able to transition to Sony slash Columbia Pictures and became an executive there. And so I worked on everything from The Pursuit of Happiness, Seven Pounds, Pink Panther 2, 21, uh, Jumping the Broom, Karate Kid remake, you know, Heaven is for Real. I worked on a lot of films. And so- As a product- As as an executive. As an executive at the studio. At the studio. Right. right. Very different. Very different. So I'd always had a desire to run my own company. Right. And so after Heaven is for Real came out, this was a faith-based film that I oversaw and shepherded within the studio- we made it for $14 million opening weekend and made about $30 million. And then it went on to make $100 million worldwide. What's it, it called? What was it called? Heaven is for real. Oh, heaven's for real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was a, that was a big one. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. massive. And so I ended up, you know, you saying, okay, you know, at the time the chairman of the studio wanted me to, you know, they wanted to promote me and all that kind of stuff. I said, no, no, I want my own company. And uh, that was Amy Pascal who, you know, is like a legendary yes, producer of, totally. of Spider-Man now, you know? And, uh, and so she was like, 
what? You want your own company? She says, yeah, I want my own company. I want to run my own company. I want you to give me a deal. And she said, uh, oh, okay. All right, we'll do it. But you can't negotiate with anyone else. And I said, okay, that's cool. As long as the deal is you good. You asked for what you wanted. That's right. That's right. That's exactly what I wanted. Because I'm like, I'm at this point in time, I'm making a lot of movies for the studio that's making them a lot of money. Yeah. I'm like, hey, this is cool, but I got to invest in myself. You know, I got to see, you know, over time, if I have the ability to do what I've done for them for me. Right. And so she was, you know, in in her, I guess, savviness and, and understanding and catching my vision. She said, yeah, no problem. So I, that's how I got my deal. They gave me a deal. And the first movie that I did for Sony was uh, Miracles from Heaven, starring Jennifer Garner and Queen Latifah. And Eugenio Derbez, who's, you know, they're all amazing. And then I did a movie called The Star, which was an animated film that had Stephen Yeun and Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry as voices, among so many other great talent. And then uh, I moved my deal from Sony to Fox. Why? And, uh, because it was More just money? a better opportunity, you know, at the time, you know. What was um, the opportunity? I want to know the what the difference For was. me in running this business, you know, I'm... I'm obsessive, okay? Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm like, yo, I want to make, you know, let's make two a year. Good you for know, you. let's I go. Like, yeah, yes. you know, like people need hope, people need inspiration, people need and they look to entertainment. People look to entertainment whether Absolutely. whether we like it or not. Entertainment plays a very valuable yeah. cultural imp uh, force cultural impact by people looking to entertainment for help, for guidance, to know what to wear, to know what to be, to know what to say. All of these things, again, whether it's good or bad, right? Yeah, I agree. It still is influential. Yeah. You know, entertainment is one of those powerful mediums in the world. And so for me, I'm like, look, I want to go. I want to make more. And so the opportunity to go to Fox was the promise of being able to do more. And that that is what was happening. I was able to get a film made there with uh, Chrissy Metz called Breakthrough. Uh, that's there was a song that Diane Warren wrote for the for the movie. It ended up getting an uh, Oscar nomination. And then right when all that was happening, uh, Fox got sold to Disney. And so oh, Disney, wow. yeah, yes. so Disney, you know, basically took over Fox. And so I had to go find a new deal. So and you I lost ended up your at, deal. I did. And so I ended up at Paramount, which is where I've been for the past couple of years. And how's that going? It's going good. You know, I got a lot of friends at Paramount and they're, you know, they're having a great moment with the success of Top Gun and getting ready to sit down God, with them. That movie is like, it's like every week. It's like I unbelievable. I know. I know. It just, it just, the timing of it, you it, know. The timing was, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. That movie's crushing. Yeah. Like I've never seen it. It's like, I know. And it's a great film and, you know. It is good. I like it. Everyone involved, including Tom, you know, just was amazing. So you still have your deal. So what's, what, I mean. What kind of deal is it? Do you have like a minimum? Do you, what, how does it work when you have like a development deal? Like I kind of understand, but most people won't. Sure. So how does it? Yeah. So on the it? so I have a film deal with Paramount Pictures, and I have a television deal with CBS Studios. And so the way that that works is that Paramount Pictures uh, basically funds the overhead of my company on the film side. In exchange, I give them a first look at any material that I want to develop. And do you have like certain like so? Do, do you have a certain budget you have to kind of? No, stay with or no, is it whatever you, no. you kind I mean of have you to mean get in it. terms of budget for them films or budget in terms of overhead everything do they say you have x amount of dollars yes they give spend? you a finite amount of money for your overhead and you can kind of you know divvy it up how you see fit for right. the most part right 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 uh, and then on the budgets for your films it just depends on what that particular film is and and what level of appetite they have to make it so with the first look if they say no i don't want to do it i can take it everywhere you else. could take it everywhere else yes. and so 
so your TV deal is, so what, do you have any TV things happening? Like, yeah, yeah I just okay. did a, um, I have a series on the air with BET and BET plus called Kingdom Business, okay. uh, which is uh, very much like Empire, the series that was on I Fox. I love that show. Yeah, but this this show, my show is set in the world of the gospel music industry. Oh. So it's really great. And Kirk Franklin and Dr. Holly Carter are involved. Is it doing and, well? Uh, it's doing great. We, we literally just opened up the writer's room for season two and uh, now all that is moving forward. BET loves the show. BET Plus loves the show. We, you know, it's been a big hit for them. That's amazing. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And then I produced a pilot for CBS this past season, uh, which was a reboot of Early Edition, which was a show that was on, you know, about 20 years ago. Oh my God, and you're doing so much stuff just yeah. on that stuff alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're busy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, I thought you were just doing the hit axle with me and doing some podcast. No, you know, no, shooting no. Shooting this shit about know. NAD. I didn't know what you're doing. Okay, I get it. Okay, yes. so all that, so you're still working actively in that world of Hollywood and producing. Oh, and yeah, I just did a film. I just produced a movie called Flamin' Hot, which is about Richard Montanez, who was the driving force behind. Flaming Hot Cheetos. Uh, he was a Mexican janitor who worked for Frito Lay. Oh, wow. Came up with the idea to put chili powder on a Cheeto and market it to his community in Southern California. And next thing you know, it takes off and become what's what we know now is Flaming Hot Cheetos, a billion a, dollar brand. Yeah. And so Eva Longoria just directed the film. Uh, we're doing it with Searchlight, Disney, and Hulu. Uh, and that'll be out um, sometime next year. So then, so, okay, so then. How much time do you have to like a lot to that and then also do these other things? Like what is it's it's a blender. It's a smoothie. It's a professional smoothie. Yeah. You just put it all in, you mix it up, and you do it. And just yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all you can do, right? That's it. That's all you can do. So like do you have a staff of people? Like how many producers, how many creatives? Like how big is the um, like your You know your about six people. There? You know, I have a couple folks in the film division, a couple folks in TV. A couple of folks in digital and then, you know, my own assistant. So, you know, I have about six and then I have a manager who really helps, you know, navigate all the talent side of my life. And Oh, so uh, you act, do you do acting too? I do. I do. <laughs> Sorry, oh Jay. God. Just, you okay. asked me the question. I'm just I answering. Know. I mean, like, you, okay, this is like just do model too. Like, I feel like <laughs> I have you a do, model jet. You have a model jet. I have a model jet. Model jet. You, you should well, get you. like a crest or a Colgate deal. <laughs> listen, you're the queen of branding, so yeah. you might be able to hook I it mean, up. I mean, listen, I, I think I might be able to actually with that smile. I'm surprised Thank no you. one's approached you yet, really. Not yet. Not yet. With that smile, you've never been approached never. by like all these, like, you know, toothpaste companies no. or like. No. 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 Oh Maybe after this, God. it'll change all of that. I think so. I think we have to talk about that because that's a whole other revenue stream that you haven't tapped into yet. Yes, I have not at all. So yeah. I'm, I'm very old. We got to talk about that. Okay. So, okay. The, you, you got the TV, you got the Hollywood producing stuff. Wow. That's crazy. So what, so then what else? So you're doing these movies, then you start doing these movies and you got this deal with this, these, with, um, at the time it was Sony and then the other Fox. Yes. So then how did you kind of like morph into all these other things? Like how did you become a dating expert from being a Hollywood guy? Right. You know, yes. or how did you become like a yeah. spiritual guy or a speaker? Right. right. Like okay. You're so, still only in that one area, right? Right. So, so we'll go back in the story and okay. then kind of articulate some parallel paths that were happening. Yes. Cause there's like the so much time. with you. Who knew? Who I, knew? <laughs> right. That's, that's why we're here. Tori, you should have told me this, you know? God. Um, okay. So when I was 15, Okay. The church I grew up in in Oakland right. was run by my uncle, who was my pastor, um, Dr. D.J. Williams. Mm -hmm. And so he started a church in East Oakland called Wings of Love Maranatha Ministries, and that was our family church. And so at 15, okay. they had me give my first sermon for this youth day. And so- at 15? 15, yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Yep. And so I was, you know, I was a huge follower of Les Brown. Yeah. And just, I love Les he's Brown. He's amazing. Yeah, he he's is. just a legend and a guru and unbelievable. And his book, 
I think it was called Live Your Dreams, was out around that time. And so for the first sermon, I really probably relied more on that book than I did on the Bible to create my sermon. How old are you, by the way? Uh, I'm 44. Okay, because you've lived a life with lots of stuff. So <laughs> no, I was a lot, like, lot going on. A lot going on. Right, 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 right. No, no, no. So, so much, okay. Um, so, okay. So I started preaching at 15. Okay. And then people were like, oh my goodness, you need to go into ministry. You're like, you have the gift. I said, no, I'm, I'm being called to Hollywood. But even though I didn't think I was supposed to preach as my profession, I still started doing it. So fast forward to when I took the assistant job working for uh, James Lasseter, right. Will Smith's Will former Smith, yeah. producing partner and manager. That same year, my uncle said, hey, Devon, I'm getting older. Can you come up to Oakland once a month to preach for me at Wings of Love? And so at first I didn't want to do it, but yeah. I was like, oh, you know, okay. Because my uncle has had been such a, has been and still a very influential force in my life. Right. And so I started going up to Oakland once a month to preach. So lo and behold, I don't remember how it happened, but the folks at Overbrook started to find out like, oh, wait a minute. So you preach. And I'm like, yeah. And they were like, what? So we started like doing, at, time, at that time, we would do Bible studies during lunch wow. and people would come to me for advice. They would come to me for spiritual counsel. They would come to me for oh, prayer. Okay. So that was just all organic. And, and then when I got to MGM, the Hollywood Reporter did an article on Black Hollywood. And they featured me in the article talking about I was a young black executive. But what made me unique is not only was I an executive, but I also preached. And they talked about me going up to Oakland once a month. And they also talked about me observing the Sabbath. Because as even as a Christian, you know, I was raised observing Sabbath. So Why? Friday night sundown, I Saturday that. sundown, yeah, I don't work. Because it's, it's Sabbath. It's a day of rest. That's that's what that's what the word says. Like so. Jew, you're like Jewish like me. Who knew? <laughs> it's Shabbat. Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. Do you get a challah? Do you do the whole thing? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Friday, on Friday night growing up, you know, we would bring in the Sabbath together as a family and then go to church Sabbath morning. And then after church, we would have our, you know, our dinner. Do you drive? Um, yeah, we would drive. We, we didn't, didn't practice do, like Orthodox. You weren't Orthodox. In any way. No, no, no. Okay. It was just, you know, taking the principle of rest. And, you know, not going to school dances and not watching movies and not watching regular TV, not, you know, we, there was a lot of restrictions growing up. And so even now I've still observed the Sabbath All, throughout my whole Hollywood career. I've observed the Sabbath. And so that was also something that people were like, what? Like, yeah, you know, cause I told them when I took the internship, if it requires me to work on the Sabbath, I'm not going to take it. And they were like, okay, wow. Okay. Were they confused? They were, but they just said, all right, we're going to leave them alone. Right, you know, what are they like, going to say? What right? Are, right, right. So, and then when I got the job at Sony and did all that, you know, worked at MGM, I was always observing the Sabbath. And so what I didn't know is I was communicating that my spirituality was important to me inadvertently. Wow, I was yeah. just saying, hey, this is, my, this is my boundary. And if the job doesn't work for the boundary, cool, I'm not going to compromise the boundary for the job. And so when I'm going back to me preaching at Oakland, you know, as that started to get out there and as, you know, the information about Sabbath, all of that was put into the MGM article. And so then people started calling me and saying, oh, wow, you're doing this. Is that unique? How, do, how are you in Hollywood and still holding on to your faith and all this kind of stuff? So it just started a lot of conversation. Did they think you were Jewish or like half No, Jewish? they knew I was Christian, but they just didn't know. It's like, wait, you're black, you're Christian, you observe Sabbath. What, you're how, Jewish. How do those work? You know <laughs> That's they, how I feel right now with you. You're a dating expert, you're a Hollywood <laughs> right. producer, you're also a writer. What are you? No, I know. Like, I'm, I'm just me. You, I'm just you're, me, you're Jill. Literally I'm just like a me. smoothie of everything. <laughs> a smoothie, right? You know what I mean? So many uh, inspirational this, smoothie. There so it is. So true. Even back then. So I'm not the only one who said this to you. But no, you're not. You're Jeez. not. I get it every day of my life. Holy so, moly. So long story short, talking about that parallel path. Yeah. So when I got to Sony yeah. and I was there, I got there in 2005. So it would have been, I think around 2008, 2000, 
It would have been 2008, I believe. Okay. Uh, I got approached by a book agent, and they said, "Hey, you know, your 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 faith and your you know role in Hollywood. You might want to consider writing a book. And if you ever did, I could help you out." So about a year later, I was in Beijing uh, working on the Karate Kid uh, remake, and I just had this idea. Oh, wow! This is this is how this, my first book is going to be about. You have to compromise your faith to be successful. Because I I haven't compromised my faith, and I'm here working at this studio, and I'm in Beijing, China. Yeah. And, how are you doing you know, that? Because weren't you like working on the weekends on Saturday and Friday at, in Beijing? Like no, you were just, you were just I, like. Story, I'm not. I'm yeah. out. Yeah, literally, literally, we were in my book produced by Faith, which is the first book. Yeah, the opening scene is me being in this hutong, which was an old uh, Chinese hutong? neighborhood, and Can you we say were, that on the camera. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. It, it's, it's it, that's what it's called. It's called a hutong, mm. and so uh, we were there, and Jackie Chan, and Jaden, and Will, and Jada, and you know, I mean, there were thousands of people in that particular village that came out for the shoot. And, you know, I'm there as a studio executive, you know, working on the movie. And sun started to go down. And I said, I'll see y'all tomorrow when sun comes up. When sun goes down on Saturday night. Wow. You know? And so I left. And so I write about it and produce by faith. And then what was so funny is the next day I went out to go spend some time in the Olympic Village. And one of the uh, producers saw me and they were like, wait, wait, can you be out? I'm like, yes, I can be out. They're like, okay, because if you lose faith, there's no hope for any of us. That's so. exactly right. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I'm not losing faith. Just getting some fresh air. That's amazing. Um, yeah, that so, you really are that like restrictive about it then yeah, too. It's not yeah. just like when it's convenient, basically. No, no. Yeah. I really try to really, even now, you know, get to the essence of rest. And even now I'll turn off my social media. I'll turn off my email uh, for that Sabbath day. So Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. You know, I just really try to refresh, renew, re- just plug so back into So what are you doing? And what do you do? Reading, spending time with the family, sometimes going to church, watching videos on YouTube. Do you have also kids? write. Not yet. Okay. Um, I'll write, you know. So I do all those things. But the point I'm getting at is all of that was what led me to write the first book. So when I got the idea, I called the book agent and my book agent at the time and said, Hey, I have this idea. She was like, Great. Let's go sell it. We went and sold it to Simon & Schuster. But then I had to go to, to my bosses because I was an executive. I was mm-hmm. a vice president of production for Columbia Pictures at the time. And I said to them, hey, is it okay if I write this book? And they were like, you want to do what? I said, well, I want to write a book about my faith. And they were like, man, well, usually people write books when they retire or get fired. Right, like an autobiography. Right, right. And it's like, like, but, but I'm like, it's not- Like Bob I, Iger now, you know? Right, right. there you go. Yeah. And so, but they were like, you know what? Because this is who you've been since you got here, we're going to give you the okay to do it. So they gave me the the okay to write my first book. And uh, the book, you know, did very well. And then that led to the second book. And that led to the third book. So while I was being an executive and then transitioning into producing, the writing and becoming an author was just a part of it. So once you're an author, you know, as you know, you are an expert in whatever you just wrote about. Right, yeah, yeah. And then so that's when television started calling. So like the parallel path of like being the executive, writing the book, you asked me how, okay, well, how did I become, the, you know, a yeah. dating, you know, advisor Got or it, relationship yeah. advisor? Then TV started calling. So I did Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul Sunday and I did Dr. Phil and I did Meredith Vieira and did Entertainment Tonight and co-hosted that and been was on Dr. Oz for years. And As what? Uh, what, what kind of spe- were you? I went on there as a, basically with Dr. Oz, we did a lot of different segments. So some segments I was a spiritual advisor, other segments I was a relationship advisor, other segments I was just a life advisor, <laughs> you know, just depend on, depending on what the segment was. I mean, we did all those different types of segments uh, over the course of a couple of years. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. Because normally they have a lane for you. Like when I, I, I also did his show a bunch, but 
it was always in the fitness area right. or like it, it, they didn't call me to do like, you know, religious, you know, hour, you know, they yeah, did, yeah. I, I did my lane, you know, yeah. but with you, they did all these other. Absolutely. We had all amazing. these different touch points that were authentic to me that great. worked for them for segments and stuff. And so, so that's how I got into TV yes. and then that got me into, you know, doing more, you know, dating shows and going on and doing advice, you know, everything from the Steve Harvey show that I've done advice on. Yeah. The dating advice on the real uh, just did, you know, a season of Married at First, I mean, not a season, but an episode of Married at First Sight this season and the next season. So it was organic is my point. Wow. So do you th- are you going to get your own talk show? You know what? Listen, I would love that. And, and uh, we're going <laughs> to see what God has in plan. But yeah, I would love to, you know, I mean, the talk space is so different than it, it has been. But, you know, I just know that given my experience in this business, given the things that I've written, given the access that I have and my point of view, it's something that I'm really excited about. And me and my team have talked about, we're just, you know, trying to get the right time uh, in the right format. So have you explored it at all? Like, have you pitched yourself to them? Like to- We have not gone out with the Devon like, Franklin show. Okay. You know, we have been really strategic about, you know, setting in place the right foundation yeah, and the right the grit. Because once you launch with the Devon Franklin show, you can't relaunch it. Yep. Right. And if you launch and it doesn't sell, then the market's like, "Uh, yeah, you're done. We're done. So we have been very, very, you know, uh, strategic and and thoughtful and, you know, done a lot of meetings with different people around town and, you know, really just trying to figure out like what's the best way to ultimately get there. Right. Um, But it's something that's close to my heart. It's something I'm very passionate about because it really allowed would allow me to bring together all of these different things. Uh, that yeah. I'm able to do, you know, I mean, not that long ago, I sat for King Richard, I sat down with Will Smith and interviewed him. Um, you for know, where? For-, for, you know, we pushed out to the faith community, you know, so really? we did. So we, where'd you do the interview? Like, what would you do? Uh, with- we did it at the Press Junket. Uh, so right oh, there on the, on the tennis court. Okay. So I went there, you know, and, and got about, you know, 10, 15 minutes with him. And that was great. And, and then for my film Breakthrough, I brought Steph Curry on board as an executive producer, and he and I did a sit down that mm. we did for Fox Sports, and and then I did a sit down with Chrissy Metz. And so my point is like, you know, I have all of these, you know, great relationships yes. of people that are, you know, really like minded. That if I was doing my talk show, I'd be able to bring, you know, that knowledge and that information, uh, you know, to everyone um, because there's so much that people don't realize that goes into the people that they love. Absolutely. And so, you know, me being able to connect in that way, I think could, uh, could be great. Have you ever explored doing like a, a podcast, just like just starting as a podcast? Yeah, yes. I've thought about it. I've talked about it. You know, we have a couple meetings come, I have a couple meetings coming up to yeah. discuss it. You know, you know, right. The podcast is a hustle. It's a hustle. It's a hustle. Yeah, and 100%. so. But you the, have the relationship. So. I do. Yeah. I do. But the only thing that I, I wonder about with a podcast is, you know, with all the things that I'm doing, you, you know, like, okay, is that just another thing to do? It's or another is thing it, to do. Or is it the thing that's going to help me bring all of these things together? And that's where I go back and forth. We are in conversations, you know, about one and I'm taking some meetings, but I haven't launched full steam ahead because I've really been trying to be thoughtful about the right talent opportunity for what I have to offer. Yeah, but like someone like you, no, not to give you business advice, but I'm I'll going take to. It. I'm going to give it to Bring you anyway. It. Yes, like it's like such an easy. So I'm going to tell you. This is just like a side thing. Funnily enough, this was not called Habits and Hustles. It was called Game Changers, and I sold I sold a TV show to a major network, and they were going to do similar a similar thing uh, called Game Changers. Um, 
and I sold it to the network and we're like, they, you know, we're, t- we're trying to make a pilot and it was like, and you know this, it goes on forever and ever and yep. ever and nothing ever happens and I'm waiting, waiting and like we couldn't even agree on who to be the pilot. Like they didn't, I wanted this thing, they wanted something else. It was like a nightmare. Right. While this was happening, I'm like, fuck that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to start it as a podcast and see kind of like, I'm not going to give, I'm not going to put my destiny in someone else's That's right. hands. And I'm just going to like move, you know, I'm going to like do, I have action and see what happens. Anyway, long story short, now I have this podcast, but like not to your level, I'm I'm not comparing it, but what I'm saying is that the amount of opportunities and leverage that I got from doing what I'm doing um, has just given me so much more um, ability to kind of create with more opportunity. So like say now like people now some of these networks are now coming back at a whole different level, right? right? Because you did it on your own and you have something that's like worth something. That's right. Do you know what I mean? I do. So for you, I think it would be like such a simple thing to do to just start doing it on your own terms. Yeah. And then you can like, reverse engineer that's a good you idea. know like okay that's I'm what i would that. do and a couple of my friends have done that and now they're like they're ha- they have like huge spotify deals you know like right. making more money doing that than they were doing doing something else like right. doing the other entertainment stuff that yeah. they were doing right because the medium this medium of podcasting it's super saturated yes but if you're the right, if you are, if you're talent already and you are, and you have a following and you do, and you have all these relationships, it's like a no brainer. Why would you not do that? And like, you know, you can catapult your, mm-hmm. all that into a whole different mm-hmm. opportunity for yourself. Okay. No, this is good. This is good like, counsel. That's what I, I mean. Like, I don't think <laughs> you came here for my business advice. No, I know. I came here for everything God has. So thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> no, I just think it's like. A no-brainer for you. Yeah. And you're so well-spoken. Like, what I noticed, like I was saying to you before, when I met with at Tori's birthday or whatever, like, your voice was made for this type of thing. Wow, like, you have you. a beautiful voice. You're very eloquent. You're articulate. And you have all the relationships. Like, right. I'm like, look, I'm like, where is he? Why do you not have a big deal? You know what I mean? I don't get it. Right, right. You, you know, know what? That, that, listen, it's one of those things that, you know, as I, well, here's what I'll say. Everything happens at the right time. Yeah. You know, and for me, you know, as I've gone on just my own journey and personal development and really getting core, clearer on the core essence of who I am and really living in that truth, I think that, you know, if I had this show a few years ago, yeah, it wouldn't have been I as impactful as now. Like me doing it now, like who True. I am now, what I know now. Oh, forget about it. Well, hundred percent, but you can also figure that out while you're doing this something. True. This is true. You know, not like you have so much time on your hands. I know you have like 97 <laughs> projects that you're and working. you're adding another one. I love it. <laughs> no, why I not? I love right? it. Let's go. Just keep on like adding to that pile. Yes. But I just think you'd be so good with it, you know? Thank you. Thank no, you. you're, you're welcome. And then do you also do motivational speaking? You know, I do here and there, oh, okay. you know what so, I mean? But it's not like a huge, you know, it's not like bi- what you, you know, you don't like travel the, no, the country. No, doing no, this no, 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 not at all. It's not more all. this like, you know, one offs or yes, whatever. There you go. So then how did this whole audible book come to be like, why yeah. and what and how and yeah. all the others? Like, I mean, so audible had approached me a couple years ago. Okay. I had done an article for Maria Shriver. She okay. has a Sunday paper. And uh, the article was at the time called The Coalition of Black Women. Okay. And it was about- By the, Maria Shriver? No, no, no. I wrote the article for Maria Shriver. Oh, for Shriver. her. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. I thought, like, okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So um, when my father died, my mother brought in the help of my grandmother and my grandmother's seven sisters. Mm. And so I wrote an article about how they surrounded me and my brothers oh, and helped to it. really bridge the gap of losing our father. 
And so they gave us wisdom and knowledge and about everything from religion to sex to money and all this. So Audible said, you know, this article's really good. Would you ever be interested in writing a book about it? And I said, oh, well, let me, yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but I'd be open to it. And so we did a deal to do an audio only book. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the part of the process was me getting a chance to sit down with my mom and five of my living great aunts. So my Aunt Donna, my Aunt Nuna, my Aunt Sandra, my Aunt Ida, and my Aunt Enos. Aunt Nuna is 95, Aunt Sandra 75. So it was a blessing to be able to sit down with them individually and then ask them questions about our history and our story and about the death of my father and their point of view on it. And then when I put the book together, when you when the listeners hear it, it almost listens like a, a movie because I really brought a storytelling aspect to it. So like my voice will come in and then one of my aunts will come in, then my mother will come in. And we really just start to talk about how this tragedy of losing my father impacted everyone and then how that led us to be the family that we are today. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that when did you release this? Uh released it earlier this year. It was April of what, 22? Oh, okay. So it's very, it's very Rel- new. Rel- relatively new. Right, yeah, past right, six right. months. Yep. And so I, I want to ask you though, about because when I, like I said, I did all this research and it's all the dating stuff. I have to ask, I, I yeah. did the research on this whole truth about, tell me the truth about men. Oh yeah. So can you tell me the truth about men? <laughs> can you please tell me the truth? How much time do we have? No, as good. much as you want to give me. I mean, I'm taking up God knows how much already, but I want uh, you to give me the, I want you to give me the yes, goods. Yes. The truth about men. I'm actually uh, in the process of developing that as a scripted show. Believe I was going to, why didn't you, uh, that was my next thing or yeah. a movie. I feel like yeah. that would be a great movie though. Yeah. Well, we're going to do the scripted show first yeah and then we'll why? see why why'd you choose that um easier? because that's just what kind of came together oh. you know with okay. the right writer and the right partners and and you know i can't speak about it yet because our deals aren't closed hopefully they'll close in okay, the next few days you'll come back and tell but me i'll come back to it. yes yes um but the truth about men this this idea was birthed out of you know all of what was going on with me too okay and you know for me as a young man i have always been fascinated with this idea of why do men cheat you know, and I'll never forget, I talk about this in the book, that in, growing up, I found this picture of um, my father and my mother and another family member sitting on a bed. And my mother looked really unhappy. And that family member looked really happy. And so I remember looking at it saying, what is this? What's going on? And so years later, I asked another family member, I said, hey, what's, what, what, what happened here? And they told me the truth. My father had an affair with that family member and that my mother found out about it. And that picture basically, basically captured that. And so I said, wow, so if my dad couldn't be faithful to my mother, what, why? And so that question always kind of haunted me, like what is going on in us as men that keeps us from being able to keep our commitments and do what we say we're going to do and be who we say we're going to be? And so all of that and then the Me Too movement really was the catalyst for me to say, okay, as a man, I need to do something. And so that's what was the seed of uh, the truth about men. And the truth about men, what men and women need to know, what that is, is that every man, every man struggles between two things, love and lust. And I call love the master. I call lust the dog. So for us as men to be the men we were called to be, we have to put love in control of lust. We have to master the dog within. And that lust is, can be a lust for money, sex, power, fame, women. There's a lot of things that we can lust over. And so for men, if we become what our lust makes us, if we become what that dog within makes us, we become irresponsible, 
we become um, unaccountable. Uh, we in- inflict countless damage, not only to, to you know people that we say we care about, but for generations to come, we become callous, we become selfish, right? So that lust is selfishness. That love is selflessness. And when we as men say, I'm going to put selflessness over selfishness, that's when we can become the men we were called to be. But the truth is, that's the struggle going on within every man. I don't care who they are. I don't care where they are. It's the struggle. But nobody wants to talk about it. I mean, also, why why only men? Don't you think women have that? I do, um, not I do as too. Much, not as, not but, as For sure, severe, right? Maybe? And if I were to do the book, you know, if I were to do another edition, I probably would say the truth about men and women. Um, but or one of the, about women. Or, but but yeah. here's the thing. Yeah. As a man, even in the dating space, yeah. I cannot be a man that writes a book about what women need to do. No, hundred percent. I'm exactly, sorry. That's like ridiculous. Like, yeah. Yes. So, 100%. so yes, you're right that women. But it's not your you're job right. to do but, that. But not yeah. even not my, not my job. You I think know. that that's been done already. And I think that's the problem. A lot of times in the dating space, it's so focused towards what women need to do. We as men get off with the free pass. And I'm saying no, as men, oh, let's do our work. And this is our work. If we as men started to do our work, things would change like that. But we don't sometimes. Okay. You know, so that's why I wanted to write it from the male point of view. But you're right. Women struggle between love and lust as well. Okay. How about this? What, what, okay. So give me some practical things, right? So that makes, I, I like the way you describe that. I, and I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, right? Mm-hmm. I also think it's a personality thing, right? Like, if, yeah. but I do think there's like, there is that conflict. How do, what's the first step though? Like wanting to do something like that, wanting to do right doesn't mean that you do right, right? Like no. someone's, you know, the best intentions were, what's that? that the say? road to hell is paved with, the, the, with good intentions. With good intentions, yeah. right? So, okay, so I want to do well and I'm a good person, but like sometimes I just like, I, I mess up or I'm not, you know, I, I veer this way. You know, like I, I can course correct, but doesn't mean that I'm not doing the mistake in the first place. What, how do you, what, what's your advice or would you tell people step one would be? Acknowledgement. Okay. Acknowledgement. Anything we suppress, we empower. So mm. to your point, like if I want to change, not even change, if I want to be the best man I can be, I got to acknowledge that the worst man is in me. Mm. That's because I, because if I just say, oh, I want to be a good guy, I want to be a good man, but I don't acknowledge that darkness in me and say, hey, yeah, I want to be a good man, but yo. I got that dog in me. I got that lust in me too. Yeah. So it starts with acknowledging, right? Okay, it's here. I'm not going to sit up here and act like it doesn't exist. Because if I do that, I'm going to do something that works against who I say I want to be. So the acknowledgement comes the first. The second part is to say, okay, what are my triggers? What have I done in the past where it has triggered me to feed the dog instead of feeding the master within? Oh, got it, right? You know, what triggered me was, okay, you know what? I, I, I got lonely. So I called up this girl. I had no intention for her. And then after that, I ghosted her. Okay. All right. Let's, let's pause there. Does the ghosting align with what you say you're about? No. Oh, okay. Got it. But the key is you got lonely. Okay. Let's talk about a better way to handle your loneliness instead of using women as an object of fulfillment in a moment and then discarding them. This is how we as men start to level up by addressing what's going on and taking a moment to identify like, oh, I can do better and I want to do better. And here's how I do better by going back and saying, oh, here's where I missed it. Yeah, I was wrong to do that. That wasn't that wasn't cool. Yeah. okay. that's how we do it. 
You acknowledge, you start to look for your triggers, and then you just have to really be, we as men, we need discipline. So we have to use discipline, right? So, so it's like, all right, just because you can doesn't mean that you always should. You know, as a man, just because, you know, I can be in a situation where maybe a woman is, you know, saying, hey, let's go do this or do that. If I don't have an intent for her, I'm not, why, why would I do that? I'm not just going to do that for sport because for her, it's something serious. For me, it's just, oh, let's go. I'm like, no, I'm going to use discipline because I, I want that master, that love in me, even if it's a situation that people say, oh, well, it's fine. No, if my heart is not there, if I have no intent, I'm not going to do it because it's the man I want to be. Right? I want to master this dog within. I want this dog to not run, ruin, and wreck my life, which it will do if I just recklessly feed it. If I'm constantly giving in to my flesh, constantly giving in to the lust, constantly giving in to the excess, I'm going to become what it makes me. And that's less than a man to me. That's so well, beautiful. See, you're such a well-spoken person. First oh, of all, have you ever heard the Chris Rock thing? You're only as faithful as your options. Yes, I've okay. heard So that. I was thinking about that when you were yeah. saying this, number one. Number two, here you are. You're a guy in Hollywood, right? Good looking guy, young guy. Are you single, married? What's your single. deal? You're single. Yeah. Okay. What do you, how are you, how are you taking, are you hard? Are you able to like do that? Like, how are you able to harness uh, uh, well, the lust? And, well, and yes. How? How? What are you doing for, like, are you just figure? So again, acknowledgement triggers. Intention. And intention. So Ign you're not, so you're not. Not you don't have to be well. Actually, I want you to tell me the truth. Like, what are you? What, to the be truth. honest, I want to I know. I need the truth, Devon. So tell would, me the truth. So does that mean you when you meet a girl and you don't have any intent? If you have, if your intention is maybe a little bit darker or a little bit like not a little suspect to what her intention is, you will just. If we don't have the same intention, if it's yeah. not good for me, if it's not good for her, it's not good for me. You never slip up. No. Because it's about intent. It's like, no, I don't want, like, if we do not have the same intent okay. for what this is going to be, then here's what happens okay. in my experience. Yeah, yeah. Give me, yeah. If in fact, let's say I'm she- I'm just playing devil's advocate. That's great. Yeah. Well, but the devil doesn't need an advocate. Yeah. Got plenty of advocates. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but like in this situation, right? Yeah. Like for me, it's like, okay, let's say, you know, I want something more casual. Mm -hmm. She wants something more committed. Okay. If- that's where we are, engaging only is going to lead to a problem. Yeah. But part of that requires just being honest too. Because yeah. a lot of times in those early stages, there isn't a lot of honesty. There's a little bit of like, oh, I want to, you know, show you how great I am and let me put on the, the character the and put on rep. the act the and the sales. Yeah. All of that. But I would encourage anyone, male or female, to not allow that period of time to go without asking real questions about who you're dealing with and finding out what their real intent is. And again, doesn't mean that their intent has to be marriage, right? It could just be like, I, my intent is to have a good time. Okay, great. My intent is to have a good time. Great. Let's go have a good time. Wonderful. Right. My intent is to have a good time. Well, my intent is marriage. Uh, uh, let's not do that. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, one, yeah. one of us is probably going to get hurt. So to, to your point, it's just really about being honest. What are you looking for? Okay, cool. You know what? I'm in the same place. Okay, great. Let's let's go hang out. Doesn't mean it's going to work out. Doesn't mean it's going to lead to a relationship. Doesn't even mean it's going to lead to a marriage. But at least in those early stages, we can try to be on the same page. And that's what I say as men. Mm. Like, okay, you know what? My intent is to only deal with people as best I can that share the same intent. Because then if I don't, 
As men, then we become manipulators. Yeah. We manipulate women. We manipulate situations to get what we want, even if it causes them harm and pain. And I don't believe, listen, in, in relationships, it, there is pain associated with it because things don't work out and it's painful. But some of that pain can be avoided if we were just more intentional and we were just honest about our intent. And guess what? Give a woman the information for her to make the best decisions for her health and her wholeness. I agree with that 100%. Versus a me not, if I'm a man, I don't want to quite be You're honest with you. Yeah. Your, yes. Yeah. It's because I'm trying to get, you know, like, no, give her, here's where I am. I'm in a casual moment. I'm in a not serious mood. You know, we may go out tonight. You may not hear from me for a week. That's where I am. Give her the information. The problem is a lot of times because people, women, want to, uh, they, like, they're much more, they want to acquiesce. They want to like, they want to be more like easygoing. They'll say, they'll say, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want a casual relationship. But really their intention is not to be casual. Right. So mm -hmm. like when someone's like pretending, when you know that's happening, not you, I'm saying when as someone knows that's happening, what is a person to do? They can always fall back on the fact, well, they said they wanted something casual, but knowing that that's not well, the case. What do you do in that yeah, situation? I mean, you know, I think it's a little bit of, as a man, going back to the whole master of the dog. Okay. So if I, a, if yeah. I'm choosing to be the master, right? If I'm choosing to let love lead, that requires me to live on some level sacrificially. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in that situation, if you sense or I sense, mm -hmm. I know even, yeah. you know, she's saying she's cool with it, but I don't feel that. So either we give it a moment and see, you know, if we, you know, give it some time to see what, what happens. Um, but fundamentally, if we, we know, we can feel, and if, if it doesn't feel right, then I would encourage any man, hey, time out, press pause. You know, maybe this is not the right situation for you. Maybe this is not the right situation for her. Maybe she doesn't want to lose you, so she's going along with your right, program. Right. You know, but ultimately, as a man, if you really have no intent for her, uh, long term, then maybe this is not the right situation for you, and were, that's where the sacrifice comes in. Were you always because were you always like this, just more innately, or did you have did you have to grow to do this yourself and learn? Oh my, this? I had to grow. You I were mean, never no, a dog. No, no, well, no, because never. No, no, hold on, I've never been a dog, <laughs> right? Or did the dog um, kind of like was the dog the bigger dog than is the master? Here. The dog has not been bigger than the master, but the dog is here. And the dog has always been here, you know, and just even growing up, part of the thing was like growing up in the church, you know, there was so much of a, sometimes a culture of suppression, right? Mm -hmm. When you have these lustful feelings and you don't know what to do with them. And, you know, it's like, well, you know, God says, be holy. Okay, but I'm horny. What do you do with that? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, growing up, you know, there was a lack of information on just how to navigate it. And that's one of the reasons why I also wrote the truth about men was to say, hey, these feelings are going to come. Right. So let's not, you know, act like they're not there. Let's figure out what we do with them. So for me, my journey was, it was like I was, I was never a dog, but that doesn't mean I always had a good intent. You know, and I talk about this in the book where, you know, there were women that I had been dating and, you know, again, didn't really have the intent. And what began to happen was I would see how much I would be hurting them. 
because we weren't really aligned in our intent. Now, again, it, it may not work out even when you have the right intent, but I knew in my heart of hearts that I wasn't really for this woman, but I was still dating her, still taking her out because, you know, I wanted just, you know, to spend out, spend time and have fun and all that kind of stuff. And so I talk about this in the book that, you know, I had to have my own, you know, reckoning. And so that kind of came in the form of this dream, you know, where I really, it felt like almost like a vision from God. And in that dream, I was at the altar uh, and about to say I do um, to my wife in the dream. And the next thing you know, the minister says, turn around. And I turn around and down the altar are all the women that I had dated, but they were cut open, slain. Really? Littered all down the aisle. And so basically it was like God was saying, is it worth all of that to get here? Don't play with my daughters. Like if you're not serious, just say I'm not serious. Let them operate on with the full information about what they want to do for their life. But don't manipulate. Don't try to just get and then go off to the next situation because these are truly my daughters. So that was a reckoning for me. And that started to inform, you know, how I dated. And then also I was married for 10 years. And so being married for 10 years, you know, and being in the in, in a marriage, which is great, the, 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 that dog was still there, right? But because I had practiced, you know, putting the master mm-hmm. first and leading with love, it didn't, it, it didn't um, disrupt my marriage. Right. Because I was like, oh, got it. I know what this is. Right, right, right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, and I have some practice here. And that's the other thing as men, most of the time when we're, you know, dating, we're taught to just go and conquer, you know, conquer the world, sow your oats, all that kind of stuff. And that all has its place. However, when we want to transition into marriage, if we haven't been practicing some level of fidelity, some level of, of monogamy, it's very difficult to just in a moment flip a switch and it's like, oh, all of the years I've been living one way, now I'm going to live differently. That's not so much. I think it's more when you, like when you're married, it's more like falling out of lust with the person that you love, right? That's Mm. where I see the most stuff. Like, it's not so much like, yeah, you get married. It's not like, it's more when you're married and like you get into this routine and then like there's no lust anymore. So that dog, I would say you call it, kind of like, rears its ugly head more yeah. and more yep. and more. That's harder to tame than just like a little, you know, a little Maltese. But when the German shepherd comes out, it's yes. much harder. It is. Right? It is. Or like the Doberman pincher. Like how do you- Right. To communication. Dare, this is where communication comes in. So why did you and your wife split then? Not because <laughs> of that. <laughs> Jen, you, you, you slick, Jen. Nah, that's that's the next habits, hustle, and heartbreak. That's that's the next podcast. <laughs> okay, we'll do that one together. I slipped it in. That's okay. And you looked that's at me all like, right. like, what? <laughs> okay, but no, but I, we're going to get to that maybe. I don't know. But um, do you understand what I'm saying though? I like do. there's a difference between the, I understand the, the the messaging of the lust, but how do you tame a, a bigger dog when you're having, you're in a situation where you're locked and loaded in a marriage and like that happens. I, it happens all the time. But it, you know what? The key is a number of things. Acknowledgement. Well, communicate, acknowledging okay. for sure, but communication, communication. communication. And this, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's the, one of the hardest things to do. To your point, the, this, the scenario mm-hmm. you just laid out. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's common. You know, that in marriage, you got the love, but that lust for your partner and that drive, that sexual drive for your partner yeah, is not there. Okay. Yeah. 
so, I'm just being honest. No, I mean, no, 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 of course, like of course, life. of course. But to you, to the point of how to deal with it, here's a couple things. One, we have to reduce the stigma ar- around that because mm-hmm. people have come into marriage with these ideals of all the movies they've oh, seen yeah. and, I mean, oh, it's going to be this. And, and that's just not, that's it's just not. your fault. You're the producer on these movies. <laughs> right, Stop I, doing no, it. No, I haven't done a movie like that. Good, you know? I hope. Show the real well, life, you I know. Do, Show I the do. real. Show that this is 40 version of it. Right, have you seen right, that movie? Right, okay. right. Yes, I have. Because yes, it's I not have. like that. You know, it's not, no, it's it's not, not. like Prince Charming and Cinderella, especially when you have kids and everything yeah. else, you know? Totally, Make totally. a movie like that, will you? You got it. And so when these ideas and ideals crash against reality that's when you know it becomes challenging and that's where we have to communicate like okay you know we have to have some difficult conversations and i need to express you know this lust is a problem for me or i need this and and then you Mm -hmm. and then it's okay to bring in help how about that you know work with a therapist work with the sex therapist read books Mm -hmm. you like really take it on like uh, the same way that if you and your spouse have a home renovation what are you going to do you're going to sit with the blueprint you know sit with the contractor you're going to you know sit down with the designer you're going to say okay how do we get this to where we want it to be the same way you do that with your house do that with your love life okay you know what didn't expect this to feel like i'm not having that same let's let's figure out how we rekindle this Let's get tips. Let's get tools. Let's get help. Let's not live in silence because in a lot of marriages, that's what happens. No, I think that's true. I think that's one of the big problems, right? Because people then end up in their own silo and they don't really like talk about it. No. And so therefore it just gets worse and worse. But I do think, and like, I'm just, I'm just calling a spade a spade. I think that people also just change and grow apart. I mean, that's also normal. You know, like, I don't think we've been, we're on this earth necessarily to be, you know, monogamous to one person forever and ever mm-hmm. and ever. I think mm-hmm. that's also not really, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just, I'm just being honest. Yeah, I yeah. had this woman on my podcast. Um, uh, her name is Jaya. She's a, she's a sex, she did that show Goop, the Goop Netflix show. Oh, okay, Do you okay. know who she is? No, I don't. Oh my gosh. So it was very interesting because she was the, the sex all, she just, whatever. She's like a sex person. Um, and we're going into this podcast and what's going on and on and on. We're talking about all these other things. And then she drops like the best thing. And she's like, yeah, so my partner's over there, blah, blah, blah. His name's Ian, 15 years. I'm like, oh, wonderful. We have a kid, blah, blah, blah. And I'm saying to her, how are you keeping it? You know, how do you keep it, you know, uh, interesting and like fresh and everything else? She goes on and on. Okay. And I'm like, oh, in my head, I'm like, oh, this is great. Good for her. Like, this is amazing. And then she drops maybe five minutes into the, like five more minutes into the thing. But she also has uh, two boyfriends, 20 years each that she's been with, plus a new one that's four years. So she's got like three other men on the side, like plus Ian's the, the anchor, but she has all these other relationships. Oh, wow. I'm like, oh, so that's how you keep that's your That's how you do yes, it. Like, this bullshit. Like, oh, well, we do this. And I know what his sex type. Again, she's giving me this whole like blueprint of like, his, you know how like the personality test, yeah, like sure. or like that thing where like you're the kind of person who likes compliments. I'm the right. kind of person who likes gifts. So yes, uh, yes, like, you yes. Know? love languages. Like, love languages, right? So she has the same type of idea with like you know sex languages. Like you like this. Like she has like one that says kinky. One is this. One is that. Not to embarrass you. I don't want no, to. No, no, no. That's fine. <laughs> it was super interesting. That is fascinating. It was super fascinating, and she's she's great. She's so super knowledgeable. But then like you know, the, the crescendo is like, but I also have 9,000 partners, you know what I mean? And this, and the other one's raising my kid. So like, it's just so fascinating. Like, so like, I think that like in, I think in theory, a lot of these things, like, um, they sound good, 
but reality is very different than theory. Yeah. And my and in, in my experience and I'm just calling I it I agree with that. Calling it real, I agree with that. You know? Yet I think what so happens... So be polygamous. Okay, no. <laughs> no, no. One, say, one just, is enough. I, I, I'm, try, I'm just trying to embarrass you right now because no, you're so cool. like straight, narrow, and it's nice. Cool. And it's cool, it's cool. You're just so like, <laughs> where's your bow tie? Hey, you know what? I left it at the at Words of Torres. <laughs> oh, party. there you did, exactly. I, I did. <laughs> right, I okay. did. But you know, um, but honestly, like even in a what you're talking about reality. Yeah. But see, this is the thing that, you know, maybe even also gets me passionate about relationships. Is yeah. Because... We don't always take the time to acknowledge whatever the reality is, and guess what? There's no, there's no right or wrong reality, right? right? And sometimes in 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 marriage, there's that idea of like, oh man, if this isn't what I thought it was supposed to be, am I gonna disappoint my partner? Am I gonna let right. them down? Versus like, okay, let's let's just have an honest conversation for a moment. Doesn't mean yes, we are growing differently, but that doesn't mean that that growing has to be we're going apart. Two mm. people can grow. Everyone's growing from the moment they say, I do. You're growing and changing and becoming different. Right. And you can learn to love that person. You can learn to fall in love with who that person is becoming. There's no question about that. It just comes down to when you start to feel, uh-oh, something's off, that's the moment to catch it. Got it. Yes. I Cause, understand. Because if, yes. if, if, if you let it go years. So true. And yeah, then you try to you know sort it out, yeah. it could be too late. So then- what would you say the biggest question is that you get, or the biggest problem that you hear when people, because now that you're this dating expert, right? I, I, I'm not calling myself a dating expert. I, 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 relationship I, I, advisor. I, okay, re okay, relationship <laughs> advisor. I like that. Yes. I love that. Okay. Yes. What would you say one of the biggest um, things that you actually get asked or, or hear that's the biggest problem? Is it the cheating? Uh, Besides the cheating. No, okay. it's really about how okay. uh, most of the time women asking, you know, how can I find a good man? And what do you, you tell know. them? Go on Raya? I, no, I'm <laughs> I say pray. I just say pray because, you, you know, because, I, I, you know, most women come to me and they tell me, you know, about their dating horror stories and, and, um, Especially you know. Especially here in LA, right? That's what people say. Oh. Yeah. You know, people, you know, just say that women, you know, say that, you know, the men, all they want is sex and they, they you know, want, as you just were articulating, they want polyamory and they don't want commitment and. And it's so hard to find someone on the same page. And so, you know, first and foremost, I really just try to encourage them. You know, I say, I understand. And I know that's difficult. And and just trust. You know, I say, you got to just trust. You got to trust it, that your person is out there some way, some, somehow, and resist the temptation yeah. to allow the narrative and the culture to become your narrative. Right? So all you need is the right one. It may take you a number of people to get there. But I do believe that love is available and do your best to not allow the resentment and the frustration and the bitterness mm -hmm. to work against that um, and try to stay in the energy of the love that you want. These are such great answers. I mean, it's hard, but it's hard though in the moment, right? Like I'm not single, but I have friends who are, and I know that it's, it be, it's social media also plays a really hard, it's very difficult, right? Because mm -hmm. there's so much more access to everything now mm -hmm. and people and availability for men and women have much more of a difficult time. So mm -hmm. uh, you're telling them to be like, not to give up and all these other things. Are there other strategies besides that that they can kind of- Don't be, don't, don't, um, don't have a stigma around any way that you can find love. So it may be, you mentioned Raya, maybe, you know, dating app like that or, but yeah. no, I mean, there are dating apps out there. Dating app, 
letting you know asking friends trying new things like how you are you what? meeting girls now that you're single because <laughs> i'm just me right easy for you right like i don't know you're probably like you're leaving here shooing them away with like a shoe i didn't say all that i, I'm I didn't say that it. i'm saying with you that know. smile oh my god it's like gonna be it's like forget about it you know I you're gonna have, cool. I'm, yeah, I'm i don't think you have I'm a good. problem i'm doing all right i don't you think know. so so um, what's your type it's like, just what are you looking for right now? Are you dating anybody? You know what? I am looking and for. And by the way, I'm not hitting on you. I'm just asking you, <laughs> no. by the way. I don't want to be. <laughs> Jen over here trying to get into all the mix. I told you, Jen. Habits, hustle, and heartbreak. That's the next one. And we get into all that, okay? Right? But on this one, You're you know. sweating now. You're like really sweating. <laughs> well, I'm sweating because it's hot in here. It ain't got nothing to do with I the know, questions. I know, I know. I'm kidding you. <laughs> but um, when, in terms of your question about what am I looking for, yeah. you know, I'm really looking for uh, truth, you know what I mean? Just, and, and that can take the, take the shape of so many different ways, you know? And also it's like being newly, uh, well, how know, long have you been not together? With? Um, it's been just this year. Oh, know? it's brand new. Yeah. Okay. So, Sorry, you know, then. I'm not like out there like, Oh, you know, right. I'm looking this way. It's like, you know, I'm open. I'm You're, open to what's true. Right. I'm open You're to living your life, living my life, mm -hmm. you know, working on healing and, you know, just also, you know, just being open. So, you know, as the right person comes, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to that, you know, and, and open to whatever experiences come along with that. So what are some of your habits and hustle? You keep on bringing it up. So let's, <laughs> let's find out. We know you like to exercise. So yes. what's your, like, give me the day to day, like give me your the day in the life of you with all your projects and stuff. Yes, yeah. exactly. So what time do you wake up in the morning onward? So usually I'll get up, you know, 530 ish. Uh, I'll usually go to Rumble mm. uh, at six o'clock. Okay, and then I'm done at seven. Come home and you do that early, huh? I do. I love it doing it early. For Good some for reason, you. like going at seven, just feels like oh man, I'm not done till eight. And just it just you it know disrupts for me, the day for yeah, you. it's like yeah. I get done. It's if I go to work out at six and I get done at seven, I'm like oh man, I got the rest of the day. That's good. If yeah. I go at seven and I don't get done till eight something, I'm like oh man, I feel like I'm running late. Right, Again. you get anxious. Yeah, I'm yeah. like oh shoot, I'm running. I'm running behind schedule. Right. But um, so I do that. I'll go to I'll go to a Rumble. Uh, or another class, I will come home, do my protein shake, you know, usually listen to. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back it up. What do you yeah. put in the protein shake? Oh, you don't want to know. Yeah, I do. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, I do. Everything. This is I what mean. I want. This is the, this is the actually the stuff I care about. So come on, tell me. <laughs> Everything else. Hollywood, Schmollywood. I want to know about the, this. The protein shake. That's yes, it. That's, that's it. That's what I want to know. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I put this, uh, I usually put coconut water. Okay. Um, Which I, brand do you like? Uh, is the harvest one? No. Oh. It's, it comes in a can. Uh, oh. It comes, I don't know, but it's pretty good. Okay. You're um, swaying like a, do you want to open the window a little bit? Because he's going to die of heat in here. <laughs> Just because I feel bad. Oh, man, You're like right. dying. Okay. Good. Okay. Maybe that will help you. Okay, cool. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Um, so, uh, so coconut water, uh, protein powder. Um, what kind of protein powder? Uh, this vegan protein powder that I cannot remember the name okay. of. I'll have to text you the, okay, the picture. Yeah. Um, so protein powder, uh, psyllium, flaxseed. Good, good, good. Uh, I put in these cocoa flavonoids. Uh, it's like a cocoa powder. Uh -huh. um, this green powder. Uh, I also put in three raw egg yolks. Not the oh white, God, you're not just the yolk. Oh I'm not playing. We God. didn't come to play, okay? I love it. Um, yes. uh, I do that, and then I do vitamin C in there, vitamin C powder, and then uh, vitamin B. Uh, you know, like the liposomal. I said over years, I just figured it out. You know, that works is good for me, and um, and then that's usually it. And then I, uh, you know, do my do my supplements. 
What's the key? What are the supplements? Oh man, it's a lot. You have okay, but this is part you have to tell me. Like, there's no like you can't like go breeze over this. B12 ancestral supplements. Are you familiar with those? Actually, I am a little bit. Yeah, I started using those, and man, they're great. Okay, I don't know much. I've heard of it. So it's basically like you know they they create the supplements from the cow. What? Yes. Oh, ancestral. I thought this was something else. No, hold no, on, no. Hold on. Ancestral okay, supplements are like they take all the different parts of the cow and they have a belief that, you know, like heals like. So mm, if you're having liver problems, idea. then if you consume liver, your liver is going to improve. If you're needing a stronger heart, if you eat hard, it's going to improve. Wow, I so, heard you're doing this? Yeah. So these supplements, you know, made by ancestral supplements, uh, you know, there's a man, the male, one for men, which uh-huh. I take. And then they also have this thing called uh, beef tallow, which is pretty good. And I, you know, will do that occasionally. And, and they have, I mean, they have so many, you know, they have for prostate, they have them for, you know, the organs, fish eggs, all of it. So Holy. yeah, it's, it's, it's wild, but wow. it's just, it, they put them in a pill. It's not like you're eating it wrong. No, I know anything. you're taking the pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're ordering like, which ones are you taking? I'm taking the, like, the male supplement. The male supplement. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what else are you taking? So doing that, um, uh, uh, zinc. Um, uh, what else? Um, uh, I'm just trying to go through my cabinet here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are you taking omega-3s? Uh, taking vitamin- omega-3s, yes, okay. yes. Taking omega-3, taking vitamin D, for sure. How- taking 10,000 a day. 10,000's a yes, lot. Yes, I know, I know. Wow. Yes. I'm I- taking 5,000. Oh, okay. I thought that yeah. was a lot. Well, because sometimes, you know, you don't know how much your body absorbs and not so. But you can, be, you can overdo it. This is true, but, you know, that 10 to 15 range is not... Did you someone know. give you this protocol or you just like figured this part out too? Um, part of it is, I mean, I have worked with a nutritionist, you know, okay. but this part of the, but most of the supplements are like me sorting out like, okay, over the years of what I've tried, what really works okay. for me, um, you know, and then there's a bunch of stuff. I just can't remember all of it. Like, take you know, a picture and send it to I will. Me. I want to see. I will. I told I will. you about the NAD though. You should take that and the true nitrogen. I'm going to send yeah. you that too. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. Tell me what else you do. Um, so then after the protein shake and uh, the supplements, uh, while I'm doing that, I'm usually listening to, you know, some sort of inspirational talk or podcast while I'm getting ready. My podcast, obviously. Obviously, yeah. you know. God, it's like a no-brainer <laughs> right there. Right? I love it. Yeah. And, uh, and then I get to work, you know. So okay. in, in that, I have an office, which is right down the street from my house. And, uh, and so that consists of sometimes, you know, I have, you know, uh, staff meetings uh, with my film department or TV department or digital department. I have meetings with my manager to get caught up on what's going on on the talent side. Who is your manager? Uh, her name is Denora Pena. She okay. runs a company called Bodega 7. She's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, we just started working together this year and she has a lot of great young up and coming clients and uh, she's great. Oh. The best. Who other? What other clients does she have? She has. Who are you um, competing against? No, I'm just no, 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 no. She has a lot of social media influencers. She okay. also has some actors. Uh, she also has, um, you know, Massey. I can never pronounce her. Oh last yeah, name. Uh, Massey. Uh, re- uh, I, yes, I'm sorry, she's Massey. The, she's that a that fitness I'm, person. Yes, yes. So she yes. manages Massey. Uh-huh. And, uh You know, a whole host of folks. Um, and okay. so I'll do meetings with her. Uh, you know, I'll do interviews depending on what's going on. You know, for I mean. If I'm meeting with Netflix on something or meeting with another studio, uh, I will have pitches that I'll be taking, you know, and developing for different projects that I'm doing on the film or the TV side. So that'll mean me meeting with different writers mm-hmm. and working on the pitch. Or sometimes people want to pitch me projects, so I'll listen to those. I'll have a lunch usually uh, at the Soho House with, you know, someone from the industry. You know, yesterday I sat down with the, uh, an executive friend of mine. Um, so it just depends. And then, Ooh, do I know him? No. Okay. No. And then in the afternoon, I have more meetings. And then in the evening, it just depends. Sometimes I'll get in a second workout. Sometimes I'll have a dinner or sometimes I'll just go home and and chill. 
That sounds like that's actually a great breakdown. Do you, yeah. what do you eat for dinner? You like do you eat what do you eat for dinner? My dinner is is all over the place. It just it it depends. Like I I try to eat when I'm hungry. Okay. You know, so sometimes if I'm not hungry that hungry at night, I might snack on some grapes or something like that. But I don't eat a big meal. Mm. If I am hungry, then I'll you know try to do something like you know maybe I don't do a lot of meat. You know, I'll do meat maybe like once a week ish. Okay. Okay. Because um, one, it just, it keeps my skin, when I eat a lot of meat, my skin is not clear. Really? Yeah. You do have yeah. good skin, actually. Thank you, do yes. You, do you drink a lot of water? I drink a lot of water, yeah, and okay. uh, and I have a whole, that's a whole nother thing. Do you have a whole re- regimen for your yes. skin? Of course you do. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? This is like, duh. Okay, so what, what The do you- nose for news podcast, yeah. that's the name. <laughs> Jen's got a nose for news, boy, I tell you. <laughs> Inquiring minds. You have no idea. Really want to know. Have, you have no idea. I told you, like, I want to I want to know. I, I love I don't it. want this bullshit surface. I I love it. I love it. I I want to know what you're doing for your skin too. I love it. Oh man. That's like, you know, some of that has to do with, you know, one, just drinking water, reducing meat and, you know, incorporating as much green stuff as possible. This is true. And then, um, I have this tea tree oil soap by carbon theory, which is Mm. just the best. It's the best. It just, I, I mean, I am religious about it. Really? Okay, yes. I've never heard of that one either. Oh my goodness. It's is it just, a guy thing or is it like no, an everybody thing? No, no, it's thing? an everybody thing. Okay. I mean, they have it at, um, uh, they sometimes sell them at some Sephora's and they also sell okay. them at Ulta Beauty um, and then you can get it online. Um, okay. But the, but it's fantastic. And then Belief has a brand that that focuses a lot on, you know, hydration and moisturi- moisturizing and so I'll do the aqua bomb at night and then I'll do that moisturizer during the day. Wow, you have like a whole thing. You got a whole happening. thing. You got a whole thing. I love it. You okay. gotta do it. Do you drink? No. At all? Never. Never. Okay. Is it because for health reasons or for religious reasons or for both? Uh it was family reasons because of my father. That's what I figured. Uh, which is really the primary driver. Not so much because of religion or not even so much because of health, just because of my father. Yeah, you saw some yeah, bad yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And and ultimately you know, what, you know, I've come to learn about alcohol, you know, it really, it's not healthy. You know, we all, I mean, people do it, but just in, in, you know, terms of what it does to our brain and what it does to our body, it's just not the the best thing to, to have a regular practice of from what, you know, the research that I've done. So can I tell you something? I, I'm not a drinker at all either. I, I feel like it ages you too. Even it does. If it does like, I think it's just, uh, you know, even if you do it moderately, like I think like I've never been that person to like drink two glasses of wine a night or wine a night or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's like, that is like a, it's like a small, it's one of those things that make, it sounds so small, but it makes a big difference makes a, yeah, over time, accumulative. Seen. Yep. From what I've seen. So you know? yeah, no smoking, no drinking, none of that. You're like super like, Straight. Just trying to live my best life. You really are living your best <laughs> life. Well, are you? Are you having any fun? Try, trying. What do you do for fun? Oh man, what I, I go to the movies. Oh. You know, I love going Golly to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I just started taking an improv class. Oh, which was beautiful. been great. So much fun. So much fun. Just you know, never done that before. So I love doing that. Uh, I love. Um, uh, I just went from, to Costa Rica with my close friend and um, my buddies and. You know, went hiking in the jungles and jumping off of cliffs. Oh, and, that's so cool. You know, so really being adventurous yes. and being, you know, getting outdoors. I love doing that. Um, you know, I love spending time with, with my with my aunts. 
you know, and my mom, you know, so I, I mean, literally like my aunt Enos lives in LA and one of my favorite things to do is just go over to Enos's house. She's 85. Oh and we'll just sit back and eat and talk and, you know, just catch up, you know? You're such a sweet pea. I, who knew? <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I would never have thought this was you. Here I am. Oh my gosh. Well, by the way, I have no idea how long I've been even talking to you. I don't you. even, it's I have been no like, idea. I think it's been like two hours, poor guy. We have, we've done two episodes. I think we've done, yeah, we have, but that's okay for me anyway, but. I probably kept you way too long. How do people like find more information about you and or where do they find you? Yeah, you can, Audible, uh, they can find me on uh, at my website, DevonFranklin.com. I'm also on Instagram at Devon Franklin, on Twitter at Devon Franklin, and then Facebook at Devon Franklin. Not official. TikTok? You know, I think I have a TikTok that my team handles, but I just haven't Done it. I just haven't got on it yet. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, okay, of all the things that I have going on. Right. That's one that you're I'm just like, remiss. unless there's a real purpose behind it, you know, I, I just haven't. You know, I, mean, I haven't focused on it. Let me put it that way. Okay. How about YouTube? Are you, are you doing uh, that? we have a presence on YouTube, but it's not it's not what it needs to be. Yeah. You know, well, you're too really, busy. There's a lot going on. So a lot going yeah. on. Wow. Oh my god. Well, thank you. I'm so happy that Torrey like got, you know, yeah, recommended you and came here I like really this was so fun it was great thank you no, so I'm serious. much no for I real. really like talking to you me too likewise this was you were you were much different than I thought you were going to be and, and you know what's interesting most people say that and so you know I'm like okay what what am I putting out I don't know but I I, know. I'm trying to change it so I'm I love interviews to, like this that, really, that give me a chance to you know you're so likable I feel this is you're very like Torre like Away, oh, like cool. I, I love like, that. Quite a compliment. It, it, like, I love them, as Me you too. know. And like I feel like this was very similar, where I didn't know him at all. Oh wow! Right, like Demetra, who I work with, was like was a big fan of his. Yeah. Like you have to have Torrey Roberts. Blah blah. I'm like, oh god, okay, fine. And I had him on, and I like, oh no, I'm being totally serious. I don't, I don't like mince words. Yeah. And I. I'm like, I loved him. He's the best. He's like my favorite. He's my brother. He is the best. And like, I feel same with you. I, I didn't really know who you were. And I was like, oh, I wonder who this guy is. You come on here and like, it was just, you have such a beautiful spirit and a beautiful mm, personality you. and you seem so genuine and nice. I don't know why I thought in my head that you would be kind of a dick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I That's don't know why. You're the opposite. I don't know either. So people, don't just look at his cute smile and think, you know, he's actually a very, this is very, very, and I mean that in the nicest way because you're so it. cute. Thank and like, you. I thought like, oh God, he's going to be a player. That's what I really thought. Oh, but no. you're not at all. You're the, no, no, literally no. the opposite. <laughs> no, no. The opposite. No, no. You're no. just so like, so nice and so good. Thank so you. thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks that for was having like me. back very strange way. It's okay. It's all good. I, I received that because I, <laughs> I knew you. your intent. I felt the My intent. My intention was good, right? That's right. It was great. Okay, good. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. 
Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.